What's the name of the show? What is the name of my show? I'm right. You know why I called it that? Because I'm obnoxious, but also because I am right a lot. And remember when I told you, remember when I told you the unvaccinated were about to become second-class citizens? Hang on. You know who was really, really, really good at politics? Well, I shouldn't say was, is really, really good at politics. And man, this hurts to say. Barack Obama. Barack Obama's really, really good. And I hate that. But he was. And he is. And we have to be willing to acknowledge the talents of our enemy if we're ever going to be able to take him on. You see, you and me, we both make a mistake. I do this too. We take people we hate and we dismiss them as being idiots and they suck and they're terrible because we hate them, right? If I was to come on here right now and say Barack Obama has a lot of charisma, which he does, my email inbox will be full tomorrow of people say, he doesn't have charisma, I hate his guts. I know you hate his guts. That's not charisma. He has it. Whatever it is, he has it. And what you're seeing going on in the country right now all this disaster, all this wretched filth, it's important for you to keep something in mind. It was Barack Obama who built all of this. How did he build all of this? I'm going to play you a little video here. This is him campaigning for that loser Terry McAuliffe in Virginia. I'm going to play you a little video here of Barack Obama, and this will explain everything for how Barack Obama built this disaster we're in right now. We don't have time to be wasting on these phony, trumped-up culture wars, this fake outrage that that right-wing media peddles to juice their ratings. That's so good. That's so good. What, What am I talking about? Jesse, what are you talking about? I'm getting ready to throw something at the TV. Barack Obama, that's how he got elected twice, two times, by doing exactly that. My friend and mentor, Michael Berry, was talking about this this morning, and he's so right. Barack Obama will stand up and did it for eight years. He will stand up in front of a crowd and go on television, and he will sound like the most above-it-all, put-together, adult-in-the-room guy, just out there trying to just do the right thing for everybody. And these, these Republicans always trying to make it political. Always oh, trying to f- oh culture war stuff. That's ridiculous. We don't we don't even need to talk about that. How overblown is that? And yet, the real Barack Obama, the one who was there when the cameras were off, the real Barack Obama, he built all this culture war filth. And during his eight years as president, Barack Obama understood how to manipulate our government for his purposes better than anyone I've ever seen in my life. You do realize all those generals you hate now, all the loser generals out there that lead this, that lead our military now, sadly, you know they were all Obama's guys? Obama went in there and promptly started axing every general who wasn't on the Obama agenda, and he brought up all these generals who now lead your military who believe transgenders are the most important mission the military has. That was Barack Obama. Are you mad about the federal bureaucracy being packed full of these card-carrying communists 
CIA, FBI, IRS, EPA, all of them. The federal government votes like 95% Democrat. You mad about all that? Barack Obama understood very well who actually runs this country. He spent eight years behind the scenes packing every federal bureaucracy with people who hate America as much as he did, all while going on camera and saying things like, let's everybody calm down. We're not in a culture war. It's all fine. Don't worry about it. Don't let those, don't let those parents and Republicans and Trump people, don't let them be so partisan about it. Let that stuff go. I hate him. I always will. But that's masterful. That's masterful. These people are diabolical. And let's, let's realize what the fallout is of everything I just talked about. I don't think we can bring it up enough. We just, this just happened. The FBI got sent after concerned parents. And let's, let's just walk this back. The FBI got sent after concerned parents because the Attorney General of the United States sent them after concerned parents. The Attorney General sent the FBI after concerned parents because he got a letter from the National School Board Association. So the Attorney General sent the FBI after concerned parents because he got a letter from the National School Board Association. Oh, I forgot to mention, the White House helped the National School Board Association create the letter. Just want to break this down one more time so everyone's clear. The Biden White House got with the National School Board Association. They collaborated on a letter. They then handed to Joe Biden's attorney general who used that letter to sick the federal law enforcement arm on concerned parents. That's why Barack Obama was so damaging. You can do those things when you have made sure the entire federal government, FBI included, is full of people just like you who aim to use their power to destroy your political opponents. He was wildly effective. And look, one great thing that's extremely inspiring going on out there right now is parents did not let it intimidate them. They did not let it back. They did not let it back them down. The National School Board Association, they're apologizing now. Now, they're only apologizing because they got caught and they end up looking really bad, but they're apologizing now. And I want everyone to be clear about something. <clears throat> this is why you should play offense against the communists. I know a bunch of behind the scenes stuff I'm not allowed to share with you right now about how this went down. But I just want you to understand something really, really clearly here. The right, the right decided to go after the National School Board Association hard, really, really hard, and dig into this letter and find out the who, what, when, where, and why. And because the right chose to play offense, and because parents didn't back away under the threat of the FBI, the National School Board Association looked like a bunch of crazy hacks out there because we didn't back off. We didn't hear, oh, FBI, uh, I love the FBI, go blue. But we didn't do that. We said, I'm sorry? No, 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 no. I will not be intimidated by anybody. And we kept going. Remember, we cannot live and let live our way out of communism. It's never been done before. Whatever the communist hates, feed it to him time and time and time again. And whatever the communist loves, 
attack it. And there's nothing the communist loves more in the United States of America than his control of the education of your children. They treasure those school board positions like you would treasure a pot of gold you found in your yard. Go after them and take it from them. Look, this is what we're up against. This is how the president of the United States of America goes on national television and talks about freedom. The idea is that, uh, look, the two things that concern me, one are those who just try to make this a political issue, freedom. I have the freedom to kill you with my COVID. No, I mean, come on, freedom. Come on, freedom. That's where we are. That's not some college radical on the street corner. That's the president of the United States of America standing in front of the world, mocking the word? Man, how far we've fallen. And look, you heard what the CDC director said, right? About the unvaccinated? Did you, did you hear what she thinks the unvaccinated need? Listen to this person. So we believe it is very important to get these people vaccinated. There is a plan, um, should these people not want to be vaccinated, towards education and counseling to get people the information they need. Education and counseling. And I just have to pause on that for a moment. Setting aside the crazy counseling talk, education, Now, I don't know your vaccination status, and I don't care. That's your business. I don't care if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. As I said, this is not a war between the vaccinated and unvaccinated. It's a war between liberty and tyranny. But setting all that aside, education? Are you lacking information about the vaccine? Has that been hard to come by for you? I I drive about 40 minutes to work every single day. I still drive by multiple billboards. Free vaccines, quick vaccines, quick vax here. You can't take five steps in this company, in this country, without getting barraged by vaccine information. It's on every television channel. They sponsor half the news shows now. It's endless. Oh, and I almost forgot. Do you remember when this super, super, super smart guy went on television. This is back in September. This guy, I mean, he's mega talented, right? But do you remember when this guy went on television and said this? Western society, not scumbags like the communist Chinese or Putin in Russia, Western society has decided, all the system, all the leadership has decided the unvaccinated, these people are responsible for everything. Not China, not coronavirus, not nothing. It's the unvaccinated. You've heard, you've heard the president of the United States of America. Repeatedly now, the leader of the free world come out and say, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Unvaccinated, unvaccinated, it's the unvaccinated. Western society has decided already there's a separate lower class of people and it's their fault. Remember when I said that? This is the Prime Minister of New Zealand. So you basically see it, this is going to be like, well, it's almost like, I, you probably don't see it like this, the two different classes of people, if you're vaccinated or if you're unvaccinated, you have all these rights 
if you are vaccinated that is what it is so yep yep I don't like being right but I know what these people are I know who they are I know what they're doing and more importantly I know why they're doing it they're dividing up every single Western society acquiring more wealth and power for themselves because they have no love of their country they don't care that they're in the process of destroying their own societies all of them that's not just the American government Australia Britain New Zealand they're all doing it right now tearing apart the West and I don't think you and I want to live in a world where the West crumbles and some really, really, really ugly regimes rise. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. We have a great show for you tonight. We have a panel with Pastor Scott and Bobby Eberly. They're arguing heavy D versus Trump. How sweet is that going to be? We're going to talk a little big tech. Our light in the mood at the end of the show is an absolute tearjerker. It's going to be a good night. But first, I talked to you a lot about Northwest retention systems, and I talked to you about their holsters, right? And those are important. They make the best quality holsters because they're all custom made right here in America. We don't talk enough about their slings. I have one of their slings on my AR-15. I'm getting one for my 300 blackout. We don't talk enough about their mag holders. Again, all these things custom made. Northwest Retention Systems has all the gear you need. Go check out a sling today. Check out their holsters while you're there, too. Go to nwretention.com. That's nwretention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Gets you 10% off. We'll be back. You know, we don't talk enough about big tech, do we? We just don't talk. I know we talk about it a bunch on the show, but we really aren't talking about it enough. Because here's the truth of big tech. I Just set aside Google and Twitter and YouTube and Facebook and all these other things. Just set that aside for a moment. I want you to picture it's the year 1980. Not ancient history, 1980. And I want you to picture the people you hate the most in this world. Your political, let's go just, just your political opponents, not the people you hate the most, but your political opponents. And I want you to picture this. They hate your guts, right? Whoever, if, whoever your opponents are, they hate your guts, right? You have that image of that person. You probably have a couple politicians in your head. It doesn't matter who it is. And remember, it's the year 1980. And I want you to picture this. They control all the phone companies and phone lines and the fax machines. Do you think that would be a big deal? What's happening in big tech, what's been happening, is a really, 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 really big deal. And we don't talk about it enough because that's how people communicate these days. That's how business is done these days. Everything is done online. I, I'm sitting to you, I'm sitting here in front of a camera speaking to you. I have a TV show, I have a radio show, not to brag, but both those things were made possible because of social media. That's where they all began. This is how people co coordinate. This is how people communicate. This is how people send out ideas, respond to ideas. So if all these companies are controlled by communists, communists who hate your guts and don't want you to be able to speak, that's a really big deal. 
And, and let's not forget, look, let's not forget, they've been bad actors. They have not wielded their power well for a long, long time. I mean, set aside that Facebook fake whistleblower thing where she was clearly just there to try to get Congress more involved. And let's just set that aside for a moment. Let's, do you remember last summer when St. George Floyd died? And there was this weird collective thing that happened in America. And I could see it happening while it was happening. I was screaming about it. And of course, everyone got mad at me. Not you probably, but everyone got mad at me. This thing that was happening in America was... The American media and big tech and the Democrat politicians and half of our loser Republican politicians and every athlete, entertainer, like the entire society, the entire system just decided right away off of one bad internet video that was, again, online, one internet video, everyone decided cops are bad, black people are still oppressed in America, and we have to get rid of the cops. America's racist. And not only did they all decide this, they all pushed these things. And then when the outrage came after, remember Black Lives Matter and Antifa burning down a bunch of stuff? When the outrage came after, and they were torching people's businesses. We're not even going to talk about the people who were killed. People had their entire livelihoods destroyed in these riots. City after city after city in America. And big tech didn't even want you to see it. Wrap your mind around that. Facebook, by the way, of course, they have, a racial, <laughs> they have a racial justice chat board and said, quote, get Breitbart out of the news tab because Breitbart was, of course, recording uh, Minneapolis is on fire. Minneapolis is on fire. And that's just the St. George Floyd riots. Do you have any idea how much money Mark Zuckerberg put into the election? Oh, uh, uh, nonpartisan, of course. $300 million just to Pennsylvania in important strongholds of Pennsylvania. That's weird. $300 million? Do you have any idea how much you could do with $300 million? It's a lot. And look, this is across the social media platforms. Jim Banks, he's a congressman, gone. Marjorie Taylor Greene, gone. Both of them from Twitter. Why? Rachel Levine, they called him a man. Rachel Levine. Have you seen a picture of Rachel Levine? Jim Banks, Marjorie Taylor Greene, two elected congressmen called that person a man and got banned from Twitter for it. You're not even allowed to look up and say the sky is blue now. That's how committed the congressman is. Or the congressman. That's how committed the communists are. These people have not changed. They will not change. And you remember, you remember all the let's go Brandon stuff, right? It's, it's, everyone knows what it means by now. It's a family show, so I'm not going to tell you what it means. But there's a rapper. He wrote a song called Let's Go Brandon. His name is Bryson Gray. Bryson Gray is his name. It's number one on iTunes. It's also banned on YouTube. What? Some weird, funny saying that, that caught fire? They banned it from the largest video streaming platform on the planet? It's bad. And the problem is, right now, it doesn't appear that it's going to get any better. Look, we're going to talk about big tech. We're going to talk about a lot of things coming up next. But first, 
How's your money situation? You get yourself into some debt. If you have, don't beat yourself up over it. it happens to everybody. Hard times come, all right? If you owe $10,000 or more, hear me out. Total financial freedom has been helping people out for 15 years. Set aside the desperation or shame or embarrassment. I know what it's like to be in debt. Make one phone call for me. One phone call. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau for a reason. And I know right now you're thinking, Jesse, I couldn't. You don't understand. They've, they've, never, even, they've never even seen what, what happened to me. No, they've seen it all. You're not going to get any judgment. Give them a phone call, all right? 877-332-8291. 877-332-8291. Tell them Jesse told you to call. You get some free stuff, all right? I'll be back. Oh, it's debate night. It's debate time. It's debate time. It's fight night. And two of my favorites, I'm sure they're both equipped to do so, are joining me now. Pastor Daryl Scott and also Bobby Eberly, host of the 13-Minute News Hour. All right. Um, the question is Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis, affectionately known as Heavy D on this show. Before I bring you two in, everyone knows my thoughts on both of them. I think they're both great. Not sure where we should go going forward. I'm going to wait and hear what these two have to say about it. The first question I'm tossing to Bobby first. Don't worry, Pastor. I'm going to give you your shot at this one. Should Donald Trump run again in 24? Well, Jesse, I appreciate being on. I'm going to go the heavy D route, man. I think that, that Ron DeSantis has really established himself as the, the next bearer of the Trump legacy, the Trump platform. What President Trump did and did it so well was bring issues to the forefront that we needed to address. Ron DeSantis can do that without being the lightning rod that former President Trump was. We saw how the media and big tech went after him. They're going to do that again and even more so if he decides to run again. DeSantis doesn't have that. He has a better approach, I think, to not only the media, but two Republicans at the grassroots level that will need to get out there and campaign just doesn't have the negatives plus the positive pro-America agenda that President Trump has. I think he's the guy. All right. And, and you know what? I'm going to go to Pastor in a second. I want to ask Bobby a quick follow-up on that, though. Yeah. To be fair, you don't think Ron DeSantis is going to be a lightning rod of the media if he becomes the nominee? No. I, I mean, wh whoever is the nominee for the GOP, the media as part of a post-Trump, you know, effect, is it been emboldened. So they're going to attack whoever it is. But I don't think you'll see the same kind of um, response from DeSantis that Trump would do to, to exacerbate the situation and possibly turn off those independents that you need to win places like Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania, something Trump All did right. the first time around, but was much harder the second time. All right, Pastor Daryl Scott, I know you know President Trump personally. I know you speak with him personally. I'm not asking you to disclose any of that. Should he run in 24? Absolutely. Trump in 24 is actually the only viable, legitimate Republican candidate that we have. There are no other candidates on the horizon that will elicit interest and excitement among the voter bases. Uh, there's a lot of Biden buyers remorse right now in America by Democrats, uh, by Republicans, as well as Democrats, 
Well, Republicans didn't buy, but but by the Democrats, by the independents, by the undecideds, by all those people that voted for Biden against their better judgment, they're wishing they hadn't. There's um, a cry in the hearts of Americans right now for the return of Donald Trump. You know why? Because they see the solution to all of the problems that Biden has created today in what Trump did yesterday. So they, they, America is returning, uh, uh, is, is um, desiring or yearning for a return to yesterday, yesterday being from 2016 to 2020. They see Biden's policies now, they saw Trump's policies then, and they're like, wow. Now DeSantis, mm -hmm. DeSantis would be a half-decent vice president right now if he comes in and distinguishes himself in the vice presidency rather than just becoming invisible like most other vice presidents do. But right now, he doesn't uh, elicit the national interest, the excitement, the fervor, the fear necessary to propel him to the presidency. And now Trump can groom him as a worthy successor if he's vice president or if he continues to distinguish himself as governor. But right now, they won't vote. He won't get the vote. He won't, he won't, he won't get the vote. Pastor, let me let me ask you this. I have a follow-up for you as well, though. You mentioned people are hungering for yesterday or yesteryear, however you put it. And I don't I don't I understand there's a lot of buyer's remorse, but let's be honest, in yesteryear, Donald Trump put Dr. Fauci in front of the microphone. That, that, that that's a Donald Trump thing. Look, I you know yeah. I like the guy a lot. His hiring and firing is indefensible. Indefensible. How's that going to change the next time? Trump didn't hire Fauci. Trump inherited Fauci. Now, he should have fired Fauci, but if he'd have fired Fauci then, there would have been a national outcry. He was stuck almost between a rock and a hard place with this clown. And so uh, he expressed his displeasure for Fauci early on. And everyone sees that under Joe Biden, this pandemic has not gotten better. It's actually gotten worse. And so that stigma from 2016, all Trump has to do is point at Biden's numbers today and say, listen, more people have died under his watch with a vaccine than died under mine without one. And so I, I don't think going back to that, listen, Americans right now are looking at these prices, looking at this, the, the shape of this country, and they're wishing that Trump was back, especially black Americans as well. So DeSantis, he's not the one, it's not his turn. His turn to come, but it's not now. All right, well, Pastor doesn't think Ron DeSantis is ready. Yeah. I'm gonna play this little video for Bobby Everly, and Bobby, I want you to react to it. All right. So in the next legislative session, I'm going to hopefully sign legislation that gives a $5,000 bonus to any out-of-state law enforcement that relocates in Florida. So NYPD, Minneapolis, Seattle, if you're not being treated well, uh, we'll treat you better here. You can fill important needs for us, and we'll compensate you as a result. Bobby, you think you just yeah. need some more seasoning? No, man, he's ready to jump in it and see. So based on those last comments, I'd, I'd half agree with Pastor Scott, half disagree. One, the buyer's remorse, that is a real thing. There, it's been so frustrating to talk to people as we entered the 2020 season who said, you know, I'm a Republican, but I'm voting for Joe Biden. Look at what has happened. I mean, there's not an issue where he was ever conservative. And now not only is he far left wing, but he's just a failure. They can't enact any policies. They can't get things done. And the country is stumbling on every single issue. On the flip side, though, the grassroots, those vocal Republicans are calling for Ron DeSantis. If you look at major gatherings of Republican activists, you know, the most vocal of the vocal at CPAC, Trump won that one. Another leadership conference, 
DeSantis won that one. The last one, they're basically a dead heat. These two are clearly the front runners. There's clearly momentum for DeSantis. And to your clip, Jesse, he is out in front on all these issues, whether it's lockdowns or mandates, COVID mandates, you know, mask mandates, you name it. The ports, he's issuing a press release saying, come to our ports. They're not all clogged up. Critical race theory, we're gonna blast that. We're not gonna teach it in Florida. And now bringing these cops in, cops we need on the street who are getting fired because they won't get vaccinated. He says, come to Florida. He is leading on all the issues. And I, I think he's ready for the White House. Pastor, he's not necessarily wrong in Florida's leadership. You say he's not ready. He looks like a man who's ready. He's kicking butt and taking names in Florida. He's appealing to the base. He's preaching to the choir. He's going after the people that we already have, but he's not gonna bring any new voters into the fray or he's not gonna cause any undecided voters to decide for him. Listen, there are a number of issues that confront America right now. And here's where the Americans are. Trump in 2016 was an unknown commodity. He's not an unknown commodity now. When we look at China launching hypersonic missiles, they'll say, well, under Trump, they would, China wouldn't have done that. When they look at North Korea dancing around, threatening again, they're saying, under Trump, that wouldn't have happened. When they look at the debacle in Afghanistan, they're saying, under Trump, that wouldn't have happened. When they look at empty shelves, under Trump, that wouldn't happen. When they look at the supply chain backup and the cargo ships that have not been able to, de to, to um, disembark, they'll say, under Trump, that wouldn't happen. DeSantis is an unknown quality. They don't know what he would do. They see what Biden does, but one thing they do know, they know what Trump would have done, and they know that crap wouldn't have happened under him. And so once again, in that return to the days of Trump, we need strong leadership. This country is in a mess. We don't need any rookies right now trying to go in. Trump isn't a rookie anymore. He's a four-year veteran. <laughs> and so uh, we well, know, based upon his policies, that he wouldn't allow the mess that has been happening, he wouldn't allow it to happen in America. Not on his watch. I do want to... I do, I do want to ask one more of you because something you brought up earlier about Donald Trump and uh, Ron DeSantis being his potential vice president. Pastor, I obviously know you you plenty experienced in dealing with politicians and a bunch of people in all walks of life. That sounds like two alphas in the same room, and you know that doesn't work, Pastor. There has got to be one guy. That sounds like two guys to me, and that sounds like one too many. No, you know what it is? It's the older alpha training the younger alpha to be an alpha when he retires. It's, uh, what was the Lion King's daddy's name? Mufasa or something? It's Mufasa <laughs> and Simba. <laughs> yeah. Trump's Mufasa. He, you know what it is? Trump is Yoda right now. And DeSantis will be Luke Skywalker. And, and he's getting him trained. And he'll take that time and get him right. And when his time comes, he can be the master of the force. <laughs> Bobby, where's like he that. wrong? Uh, well, he's wrong in the fact that if well one thing if trump want, runs he probably will win because a talk right now is that he's just going to clear the field it takes so much money to go up against trump that's why i'm hoping that he does this role of playing kingmaker he's been very good at supporting candidates at the grassroots and getting them elected it's a great role he is clearly driving policy i just think that DeSantis would make the better front guy right now i don't think it would be a fit i don't think trump would ask DeSantis to be his running mate. I think if DeSantis were asked, though, he'd probably do it. It's hard to pass that up, and you could make a place for yourself. Look at Dick Cheney made a clear place for himself in the Bush White House. But right now, I think that the way to go, the way to push the Trump agenda forward 
with a means that attracts the independents, the middle of the road voters, as well as the base that Pastor Scott mentioned, is to go with heavy D, Ron DeSantis. Both of you, appreciate you very much. Thanks for keeping it clean out there. All right. That was great. Thanks, Jesse. Be God good, bless fellas. both of y'all. All right. Pretty good. Look, they both make a good case. I'm, t I'm anxious to watch and wait. All right? Now, do you own a home? If you own a home, your home title, it's not sitting in a dusty bank vault. It's online now. And the reason I'm saying it to you that way is because I've gone through this. <laughs> I didn't even know home title theft was a thing. I mean, everyone's heard of credit card theft, right? Identity theft? Home title theft? What is that? What are they going to do? Carry off my home? No. They hack into your home title. It's in the cloud online. They forge your signature on it. They go take loans out against it. More than one. One, they take off with the money two or three months from now. I shouldn't laugh, so it's not funny. You start getting letters in the mail saying you're about to be evicted. And they will evict you from your home. But it's that big of a deal. And law enforcement does not have a handle on this crime. Go to HomeTitleLock.com right now and sign up to get yourself protected. While you're there, there's a free offer for you. Put in your address. You can see for free... If you're already a victim of it, which you might be, you might be waiting on that eviction notice and you don't know it. HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be back. Europe. They're so fancy and sophisticated in Europe, and we're just absolute gutter trash cavemen over here in America. How many times have you heard concepts like that in this country? It drives me up the wall. Joining me now, my friend Dave Harsani, he, David Harsani, I'm sorry, senior writer with National Review Online and author of a book I would recommend you buy called Euro Trash, Why America Must Reject the Failed Ideas of a Dying Continent. Dave, Euro Trash, that's a little spicy. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, I'm talking about all the arguments that our elites make about how Europeans are more sophisticated, uh, have better economic results, things are safer there. Um, basically, all the way through to morality and culture, how they're better than we are. And I try to debunk most of those arguments in my book. Are they not all sitting around reading philosophy while sipping tea with their pinky out, Dave? Is that not how it works over there? Only some. I think when Americans go over there, they only see the uh, tourist attraction. So they think everyone lives that way. But right outside town, you'll have basically ghettos where immigrants live, where there's sky-high unemployment, no assimilation. Um, you'll have all kinds of different problems that, uh, that we don't have, for the most part, in, in most of our suburbs or our, our cities. Dave, now you wrote a piece in National Review and you were talking about Biden's gigantic infrastructure bill. And in that piece, you were talking about how it's supposed to get us towards being like Europe. In what way would that bill get us towards being like Europe? Well, the $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill, which is in essence is really more like $5.5 trillion off the bat, is basically a welfare state bill. It's an expansion of welfare state. And what that does, other than its enormous um, expansion and the cost of it, is that it makes us much more uh, rely, you know, it makes normal people rely on government far more than they should be. And that undermines um, the dynamism of American culture and, and, and economy, it, it makes people dependent on government. And we see it already with all the people who have unemployment insurance 
um, who aren't going back to work. Now, if you see, you'll see that on a widespread scale with the kind of welfare state system that uh, Biden is trying to introduce. Dave, speaking of Europe, how can they sustain the quasi-socialist system so many of them have? Because America academic, academics especially, they love pointing out that Europe is, you know, very, they have these socialist systems and they're doing fine. How do they maintain that? <laughs> With massive taxation. And, uh, you know, most cases like Nordic nations, which Paul Krugman loves and people like that, are not really socialist. They're capitalistic and they have a massive welfare system that's propped up by you know, an average person paying around 65% of their uh, salary and taxes. And I, I just don't think that's in the DNA of the American people. And scaling those small countries, like the biggest uh, Nordic countries, Sweden, I think, with 10 million people or less, scaling it to 350 million people, you can imagine the kind of bureaucracy that would be created just trying to do that. I just don't think that's the, uh, you know, in the, in the personality of Americans to want to be participating. Dave, do you think the American people genuinely care about this gigantic bill that Joe Biden's trying to pass? Do you think they're mad about it, that they're rejecting it, or are they just so blinded by all the huge numbers we hear now that it doesn't matter anymore? Yeah, I mean, I think after after a certain price, it's just an abstract number. It's not something that, uh, you know, $1 trillion or $3 trillion in our minds, in my mind, it's basically the same thing. It's just a bazillion dollars, right? So... Um, but I think that trying to break it down in, into programs and explaining to people how each program, you know, what it costs, what the invasive uh, nature of those programs, I think that would be a better way to go. But of course, we have a press that doesn't really want to do that for anyone. So that's the that's a that's another problem. Is the press getting better? No, <laughs> they're corrupt and they're getting worse. They used to be biased. I mean, I worked at a newspaper for many years, and I always thought. Listen, these reporters see the world through a prism and, you know, quite often they're just biased themselves and they don't even see the problem. But now I think that they're actively trying to undermine um, one. They're working for one party. Uh, they lie to the American people constantly. But it's not just the lies and the bias. It's the focus and the things that they're talking about all the time. Uh, they're trying to get this bill passed, for instance. They're doing everything they can. And uh, that's why the American people don't know what's in it. Oh, they don't know what's in it. What's amazing is Congress doesn't know what's in it either. Now, Dave, you've been around for a while. Who actually writes these bills? If Congress doesn't know what's in it, isn't Congress supposed to be the one making the bills? <laughs> That's a nice way of calling me old. But yeah, I uh, I think that the, the biggest problem is that you have a bunch of low-level staffers, lobbyists, uh, special interest groups writing these bills. Now you'll notice when they argue about it, they're always talking about the level of spending, not about the problems they solve or the specific things they're aiming at. It's just like, we need a 3.5 trillion bill. And then Manchin says, well, I'm willing to go to 1.5 or 2 trillion. It should be in reverse. I mean, this is why we have federalism incidentally, is that we have local problems that people need met. And that's why there should be a state government that pays for that. And then, you know, the federal government gives money for other interstate highways, things of that nature, but everything's been reversed. Well, we just have this huge pot of money and the amount we spend shows how moral we are basically in the minds of Democrats. It's just not the way American governance is supposed to work. It's not, and yet it works that way, Dave. And I, I mean, I don't want to scold my own country too badly. I realize this doesn't apply to everyone. Certainly it won't apply to most people watching me right now, but it is a representative republic. Last time I checked, I don't think that we actually care about spending in this country or any of this corruption. I think we like it. 
Uh, I agree with you on the spending part. I mean, I think we have had, um, even during Trump, even during Reagan, even during Bush, right? We, spending goes up and up. People are always, it's like Congress. You ask people, do you like Congress? And, you know, no one likes Congress. Well, what they're really saying is, I don't like your congressman. I'm fine with mine. And I think that's with spending. You know, if you tell someone we're going to have to reform Social Security or, or any kind of uh Depend, you know, program that we have going on, no one wants to really do it. They're just against your spending. So that's that's a problem. And that's why it's important to have the proper structure and stop federal government from spending so much because they can print it and states can't really do that. So the lo more localized we are, the better we are. I mean, I know it's sort of a pipe dream at this point, but I mean, that, that would be the ideal. Well, we can try. It would be ideal. Dave, appreciate you so much. The book is Euro Trash. I encourage people to go get it. Appreciate you, Dave. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, we have a light in the mood next. Might want to grab the Kleenex for this one. Hang on. We have a lot of fun with our light in the mood section, don't we? I realize that's where the world famous burger recipe took off and everybody continues to share it across the internet. Thank you for all your kind words. I told you that night I was going to change your life. So we talk about food, we watch videos of people getting hurt, not too badly, and we enjoy the light in the mood segment. Isn't everything out there dark enough, right? But every now and then, we have to play you a tearjerker. And I'll just tell you, I have a dad. There's something about dads that is special. There just is. There's something about your dad, especially as a boy, a young boy, you worship the guy, right? All you want is him to be around. You want to hang out with him. He's dad. He's everything. So these videos of fathers returning home from deployment, like this one, this father is a guy who returned home from deployment, they get me. I mean, the joy, you can hear it in this child. Watch this. That's as good as it gets. I'll see you tomorrow.